podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. to Steve Bloomer's washing and the Rams are going to Wembley! Hey, sirrah, sirrah, indeed. Welcome along to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast. They said it couldn't be done. They said Leeds had one foot in the final. They said we had to rewrite playoff history, but underestimate these Rams at your peril. Derby County, are in the playoff final. We're buzzing. We're not sure how we're going to dissect everything from that magical, memorable, magnificent display at Elland Road. I'm Chris Parsons. Alongside me, to make sense of what we witnessed this week. We've just about peeled him off the pub ceiling. It's Tom Martin. Hello, everyone. And he's hastily rearranging his bank holiday Monday plans. It's Richard Kutcher. Hello. <laughs> uh, of course, we're spending almost all of this podcast trying to get our heads around that unforgettable second leg win. We've got your five-word thoughts, final whistle reaction from Rams fans in the pub. And then it's Destination Wembley, of course, for that championship playoff final against Aston Villa on Monday, May 27th. But before we crack on, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can hit follow over on SoundCloud or on Spotify or hit subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episode first. Now then, Tom, Leeds United 2, Derby County 4. Cast your minds back to Wednesday, if you can still remember it, uh, when Jack Marriott was bearing down on goal in the 85th minute with the keeper sprawled. What was going through your head? Still remember it. I think I'm still living it, Chris. Um, (laughs) As as that ball is played through to Marriott and the keeper comes out, my first thought is, take it round him and go down and win a penalty because that was that was I didn't think he was going to get there and somehow he gets to the ball and he flicks over the keeper and I'm like, it's sort of, time slows and this ball flies towards the back post and I'm like it's going to go in it's going to go in and the next thing like the whole pub and the whole place erupts it was complete and utter carnage um, but what a finish from Marriott I just think when he goes for on goal it's is this really happening it, it come just after 
Wilson had hit the post as well, and and then Keo makes that really important interception and his 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 ramble forward, and it was just so frantic. But you know, I, I was pretty confident Marriott was going to bury it once he got there. I was I, I, I once he was through on goal, we've seen him do it so many times. It was um, it was end to end, wasn't there? Was goals, chances, red cards, atmosphere, comebacks, tension, late drama, and as a match, it was an absolute classic wasn't it Tom do you think were we part of one of the greatest player semi-final legs of all time I think there's no doubt in that absolutely no doubt the fact that first time in 33 years a team has lost at home and then gone away from home to win and go through um yeah that's no doubt one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history uh one of the greatest matches like it looked dead and buried for Derby after 44 minutes. Uh, we didn't look like we were going to score and create uh, the opportunities that I'd, we'd hoped that we would do. Um, and with 46 minutes to go, I wasn't I wasn't as confident as I had been on the previous pod, uh, thinking we were going to go through. So what an unbelievable effort. And I think, yes, definitely. I had a, I had a lot of neutral, neutral friends texting me during the match, you know, particularly during the, the last 46 minutes of the match, just wondering what the hell was going on and completely engrossed by that match. Which so is did ob- I, actually, Obviously yeah. a good sign. And, and the only one that kind of really stands out as another playoff semi-final to compete would be the Leicester-Watford game with the with the penalty uh, miss and the, and the last-minute goal. But, you know, with everything that went on with the game, the, the characters involved, Lampard and Bielsa and, and the spy game background and you know, two huge clubs with a rivalry going back 50 years and then that second-half drama as well, I think I think it will go down as the most memorable and, and not to mention a sellout Ellen Road and a sellout Pride Park in, in both legs as well I mean huge two huge clubs just absolutely smashing it out of each other that Leicester Watford game was an unbelievable finish yeah. but I don't think it was necessarily an unbelievable great 90 minutes or even the second half like the Derby response against Leeds and the fact that I thought Leeds did did pretty well for the first 40 minutes um, themselves so I think the the whole 90 minutes the 4-2 the on Wednesday night was the best semi-final in the playoffs I've ever seen so before Derby got going of course the task got even harder didn't it our uh, our bright start snuffed out when Leeds opened the scoring and doubled their lead and it looked at that point didn't it that the defensive frailties that have crept in for us every few games were going to be the end of us that night and they were going to end our season yeah I don't really want to criticize anyone <laughs> after what happened I feel like no player deserves any criticism but Let's let's get let's get into that goal. Perhaps I think a lot of people were shouting at Keogh there for kind of taking his eye off the ball and missing the clearance. But for me, it's it's Bradley Johnson. He he kind of he's he's caught ball watching a bit. He doesn't anticipate where the danger might be. He kind of ends up going away from the goal and almost marking the touchline where obviously the danger's in the six yard box and and Dallas reads that and then funny enough at the other end when Bennett hits the post Johnson does, Johnson does exactly the same he goes out wide when if he just stayed in the six yard box he might have had a tap in so I mean it's harsh right it's harsh to criticise any players after that match but it for me it did feel like same old same old and I thought we were just in for another really boring 2-0 leads kind of walk, walk it I honestly thought they were going to walk it at that point I think it was Johnson's tackle that led to the free kick. I, I sort of questioned why he was lunging in. There was no need to. Derby had enough players uh, behind the ball uh, to deal with that situation. And Johnson made one of a few mistakes that and I thought he was brilliant. Um, so that was a, that was an error from him. 
Keo, I think I think there's a flick off Cooper. It wasn't very clear from the yeah. replay, uh, but I think there's a really small flick and it, it deceives Keo. Um, and you blame Johnson. I, I thought Malone was standing there. Dallas comes from behind Malone. Uh, Malone's constantly on his heels. He's always in the wrong place for me. Too far forward and su- when supporting the attack and not offering any anything and then dropping back and not pressuring the ball when the, the ball's going down the right-hand side. Um, I thought Malone could have got in there and been a bit more on the front foot and cleared it away. But so frustrating that, to concede that goal. So many colossal performances for the Rams on the night, though. And you're quite right there in pointing out that we shouldn't really criticise anyone. <laughs> but Jack Marriott made the biggest impact possible, scoring his first goal since January with his first touch after coming on just before half-time. Uh, Frank explained why he hadn't been getting as many minutes recently afterwards. He said, uh, I said to Jack before the game, I had a feeling... I said, I know you're upset about not playing, but I have a feeling something's going to come for you today. <laughs> Do you think it was, was it a bit of a masterstroke from Lampard holding Marriott back for the most important 45 minutes of the season so far? Or was his hand forced by Holmes picking up that knock and having to change it on the, on the fly, as it were? I think it was a bit of both because I think the masterstroke was actually bringing him on on the 45th minute. He could have waited 30... And the 44th minute, sorry. He could have waited 30 seconds had Holmes assessed properly because Lampard kind of mentioned that Holmes had a knock, but Holmes was almost trying to hide it. He wasn't trying to let the bench know just how bad he was because obviously he wanted to stay on and every player wants to do that. Lampard could easily have just waited one more minute and and let them assess him properly and then bring on Marriott at half-time. But bringing him on in that minute, it just creates... It's great in hindsight, right? It just creates that extra bit of uncertainty for the Leeds defence. The, the the system didn't change at that moment. La- Lawrence had started up top with Bennett and Lawrence just dropped into number 10. Marriott went up top. And you know what? I think we'll come on to it later, but Bennett and Marriott is a, a nice little partnership because they're so gritty and Bennett's going to run the channels. He's going to hit you hard and he wins headers. Like that, that header was kind of going nowhere, really. Marriott made it into something and their defence mucked up. But Bennett wins things and to have those two up front together is, is pretty would be a pretty tough tough job to deal with how how important was that tactical switch do you think Tom Lampard switching to a diamond in midfield when Holmes was withdrawn playing Bennett and Marriott up top together was that a game changer for you on the night a, a huge moment um, I think Kutch mentioned it on the last podcast saying that Derby needed to do something different Bielsa had had the sort of number on Lampard in the previous three games, <clears throat> even to some extent in the first half. Um, Leeds, had, although we'd had more of the ball, Leeds seemed to be holding us at, at arm's length. From the moment that Lamp, uh, Lampard changes it and Marriott comes on, suddenly we carve, carve Leeds open and so much space and so many chances. Like We must have create, created four, four or five times as many chances in that 45 minutes or 46 minutes than we did in the, the previous three and a half games. So a huge turning point for the game. I think I think the turning point for me is is that apparently this absolute world class football genius tactician and revered coach that everyone loves apparently has never seen a diamond formation before. I mean, it's not a new thing. Like, who is this? Who is this person that's such a great tactician? He can't deal with a formation, and he can't deal with a, a he formation he can't pilot deal with, by Mike Bassett. Yeah, he can't deal with diamond. Like, and not only okay, I get it if his team was caught out for the first twenty minutes, but he had all of half time to fix it. And Derby just walked straight through them at the start of the second half. I mean, Bielsa is the biggest fraud in football, in my opinion. It's just, it's a myth that he's this excellent coach. He's won nothing. It's just a hipster orgasm fest. I could have used a different <laughs> word. I could have used a different word. I wasn't going to use it. it. It's made me sick all season. And I think Lampard showed him for what he is, which is just a bit of a eccentric, obsessive. That's all Bielsa is. 
it's got one way of playing and it's a, an effective way. But when it when it went wrong for Leeds, I, I didn't really see them come back into it. And they got back into it through the way that they have played all season, through press and grit and determination through uh, Dallas's second goal in the second half. Um, but they didn't necessarily change anything and react to Derby. They were just like, we'll do what we do. Um, and Lampard had, had thought and he'd been, he'd, he'd made a few tweaks here and there in the previous games. None of them had worked and then finally something clicked and worked. And I think that shows a bit more of an inventive coach. And Bielsa, yeah, he plays one way. And finally, Derby got it right against him. And you can talk about defensive, you can talk about tactical tweaks and this, that and the other all day long. Um, and Derby were magnificent to a man, weren't they? But it was Leeds defender Liam Cooper, who's going to be having nightmares about Wednesday night for, for years to come, I think. It was his mix-up with Kiko Casilla that let Marriott in for the goal, which put Leeds on edge just before half-time. And he conceded the penalty in the second half, which put Derby 3-1 up. So as much as it was about tactics... A lot of it was also just about handling the pressure and Leeds couldn't do it. And but Derby put the pressure on. And like in the three games before that, we never really got around their box. We never had sustained pressure. We never put them on the back foot. But the way that Lampard changed the game and the way that Bielsa failed to react to it meant that Leeds suddenly had some defending to do. And we've seen all season that they are susceptible at the back, but we just never had a chance to have a go at them in the three games before. And Lampard found a way of playing that meant we were around their box. We we're getting balls in behind them. And... They couldn't deal with it and they crumbled under the pressure. And yeah, Cooper's going to have nightmares, but Kiko could see it. I mean, that was a masterclass in how not to be a goalkeeper. And Tom and I could talk about this all day long, but he even before the mistake when... when the warning we, signs were there, weren't yeah, they? He did, bef- he did it in the first few minutes. He did it in the first few minutes. When he came out of his box, it just bumped off his shin. Like it was something from a game of FIFA. And there's been a brilliant little video of, 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 of exactly that. There's someone pressing the triangle button and bringing out the keeper over and over again. That was what Casillas said. Even for the fourth goal... He did. I mean, Tom might disagree with me on this, but I didn't think he, he didn't need to rush out. And Mount's goal. Where the hell was? Why was he outside a six-yard box for Mount's goal? This keeper is an absolute clown. Yeah, and Bielsa signed him. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> I, th- I thought um, from the position that Casilla was for the fourth goal, I actually thought he would have been favourite. But he's not actually then. Bizarrely, he's he's quite far out of goal. But then he's on his heels because no yeah, and he's sort of stuck in the middle. And then it suddenly realizes I've got to go for it because otherwise I'm we're gonna concede because Marriott will take a touch and finish it. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I did say at one point in the first half, I was like, I quite quite like the way that Casilla sweeps up because he was doing some decent decent stuff at times. It was frustrating to watch Derby going long and seem to have like an extra defender there. But then he started making mistakes. And once he made that mistake for the goal, he, his mind was gone. He Coming flying out, coming for crosses. There was, there was one incident when the ball was pumped up to Marriott. I think it was Cooper again, sort of had his arms around Marriott the keeper like jumped into him and jumped into Cooper could well have been a penalty and the ball ricocheted around and landed in the keeper's hands um, yeah complete carnage in that second half from Casilla terrible goalkeeping it's basically a pound shot Manuel Neuer really isn't he yeah <laughs> and, and, Bielsa's a 50, and Bielsa's a 50p shot Pep Guardiola I mean can we talk about this some more please Patrick Bamford he should have been sent off in the first I half. did have him in the running order but I, I, I cut it in the end I mean the thing is about Bamford I liked him at Derby. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was a promising young player, a good finisher, scored some really important goals for us. Disliked him less when he went to Borough and he scored the winner against us when they got promoted and he was in the, he was Championship Player of the Year. But he came back from suspension from the last day of the season for simulation against Villa. After four minutes, he's won a very cheap oh, free kick off to Mori and got him in the book. 
then a few minutes later, he's been booked for diving. Oh, well, he's, like, he's absolutely embarrassed himself. I thought, I thought I was giving him the benefit of the doubt in real time. I thought he slipped for that Tamori thing. You then watch the replay. No way does he slip. He chucks himself down there. It's disgusting uh, behaviour from Bamford. And actually, for Keogh and the penalty, I could have seen it given. Keogh does hit the back of his, his thigh. As soon as there's contact, he, he does chuck himself to the floor. And it's his reputation that's earned him the booking and not a penalty well played, well played to the ref because I, I was really worried when he went down because he'd already conned the referee <coughs> once I was concerned that that was going to be a problem but well played referee people will say this was a Leeds collapse we just said it ourselves but I thought for me this was all about Derby's character wasn't it I mean we've been in this position before like Holloway where we almost got there we failed to get the job done but the balls on this team the absolute stones on, on this squad that Lampard has, has instilled to match leads, tackle for tackle, to smash into those second balls, keep stretching them across the pitch, keep playing our game, keep moving it from side to side. The young players trying to get between the lines still, not being overawed by that full house, steaming forward as soon as we got that turnover as well. Whenever we won the ball, piling forward in numbers straight away, weren't we? Making brave decisions on the ball. I mean, it really felt like we were watching Lampard's team exactly as he had envisioned us playing when he took over at the start of the season. Playing without fear. I mean, they just played without fear, and I feel like in other games against Leeds, they've played with fear, or they, they've been not allowed. They haven't been allowed to play. He just found a way to get. When you've got people like Mount and Wilson and even Holmes in the first half, who can get on the ball, and and play closer to each other, I think that was what was key about the diamond was they were playing closer to each other, which meant that the likes of those flair players that can have a good touch, one twos, get the ball out their feet quickly. They had other people to play with. Often in that four three three, was too spread out, and that, I think that just gave them more confidence. That gave them that lack of fear and you know, that, that, that character that you, you talk about. And I think the formation just served that and, and gave them the avenue to kind of really, really um, uh, show themselves. Leeds collapsed without doubt, but they were given an almighty shove by that Derby team. And that performance was fantastic. It was it was chaos at times, like players like running up, running forward, Leeds breaking with the ball, uh, Huddleston and Johnson having to win the ball back, Tamori and Keogh making great interceptions and blocks, then charging forward again. Uh, it could have gone either way at times. Like It was just complete bedlam in the midfield. But Derby, yeah, Derby's character was second to none, unbelievable. And if we can play... Anything like that in the final, we're going to have a real good go at Villa. Um, but we need to make sure that we're on it for the, the full 90 minutes. An emotional night then for everyone connected with Derby County. Back at Wembley after five years. Uh, the three of us couldn't make it to Ellen Road in the week. We watched it in the pub instead with around 50 other Rams fans. It was incredible. Uh, and here's what some of them thought after the full-time whistle. Derby are in the player final. How do you feel? Uh, stunned, el- elated, um, slightly lost for words, which isn't great when you're talking to a podcast, <laughs> but just um, o- over the moon. That's um, that's one of the most special nights I've had as a Derby fan. So many amazing performances out there tonight. Absolute guts and character from 1 to 11. Who has man in a match for you? I'm struggling to single one out, to be honest. There, there are moments from every player on the pitch that, that stick in my mind. I still think Mason Mount's influence on this team is just immense, and he was great all night. The composure from Wilson to put away a penalty like that, so impressive. We've come to expect that from him. But there are others too. Keogh's little assist. I've been critical of Keogh in the past, but tonight he set up that goal. Um, there's a moment towards the end there where Kelly Roos's handling is just so solid when... 
if the nerves were getting to you as a keeper, you might spill it. He didn't. He held it. Was that the most emotional night you've witnessed as a Derby County fan in the championship? Oh, 100%. It was close to Southampton in the uh, playoff semi-final before. That was f***ing fantastic. Sorry, excuse my French. <laughs> we, we put such an effort in tonight. Even Tom Lawrence was running around that pitch, mate, like, working his ass off. Every single player tonight was fantastic. And Frank Lampard, we've given him a bit, of a, a bit of stick this season in terms of tactical decisions, but bringing... Jack Marriott on just before half-time for Dwayne. Obviously, Dwayne was obviously injured. He was struggling in the first leg. And bringing him on just before half-time and Marriott, all of a sudden, he scores. And as soon as that happened, it changes the game, doesn't it? What a result, lads. So we lost, uh, we lost twice to Villa uh, in the season. We lost twice to Leeds in the season, but we turned him over. Villa at Wembley. We've seen him bottle it before, haven't we? We saw him bottle it last year. Are they going to bottle it again? We've, I mean, we've been there, what, four at... I mean, obviously, we won tonight, but... QPR before, you'd like to think we're going to do them, didn't you? We've got to go in positive, lads. We've got to go in positive. We've done it tonight. Lampard's got them up for it tonight. Like, it was such a different performance on Saturday as well. What a night. How are you feeling as a Derby County fan right now? Oh, I can't believe it. I lost my voice. This is ridiculous. We've got about 50 people here in the stage door in Waterloo and I've completely lost my voice, lost my mind, lost my nerves. That was ridiculously good, wasn't it? That was amazing. So as soon as Jack Marriott came on, completely changed the game. Gives an energy that was ridiculous, buzzing completely. Where does that compare with derby matches that you've seen down the years? So I think Wembley, when we beat West Brom, is up there. But hopefully in a couple of weeks we can equal that memory because that was ridiculous. Now hopefully Richard Keogh can avenge 2014 in QPR. That's my big dream for this. How were your emotions during that game? Unbelievable, unbelievable. I can't remember a night like it. I've got to be honest. I before tonight's game. I genuinely didn't think we had an hope. Not a hope in hell. And then when Marriott got that goal in, since the minute he scored that goal, it was just the most surreal moment. The first goal? Yeah, the first goal, yeah, the first goal. I, I, I can't, even under the max season, I, I don't think I've had a second half like that ever. In my, in my life, I've not seen 45 minutes like that, I don't think. So afterwards, Bielsa himself blamed that 20-minute spell after half-time for the defeat and Leeds' collapse but there were two massive turning points weren't there the mix-up just before half time with Cooper and the goalie which we've discussed already but also later on uh, Berardi's sending off which really put Leeds with their backs against the wall Stone, I mean can't really have too many arguments I don't think with that second yellow no it's interesting because the, the referee started quite trigger happy on the fouls and the yellow cards and then he let kind of five 50-50s go in a row and that's kind of it, the tension was building the crowd was loving it the crowd were ch- shouting for stuff and then Berardi just takes it one step too far he does go in late he does go on late and Johnson he's, he's a good second late and he goes in quite aggressive and I, I don't think he can have any, any complaints I think the only complaint is the game could have been stopped a couple of seconds earlier for fouls from either side yeah, I thought Johnson had actually... I think it was Johnson. I'm not sure it was a melee of players in there. But I thought someone tripped up Bavardi as he sort of got up. Yeah. And that could arguably arguably have been a foul uh, for Leeds. And that wouldn't have obviously happened. But I thought Johnson did brilliantly to stay composed and not chuck himself to the floor. Uh, he then won the ball, passed it off. And then Bavardi lunges in. No no doubts for me, yellow card and, uh, and sent off. That sequence kind of summed up the second half. It was just so frantic and, and people were flying in. And, and it, it was a pretty clean game, actually. Apart from Bamford's theatrics, it was a pretty clean game, I thought. Uh, it, it was just a full-blooded game and, and he just, Berardi just went a little bit over the edge, thankfully for us. Ten yellow cards, two red cards? That's, yeah. That's not a clean but game. But Malone's, Malone's tackles weren't 
No, it was it was a feisty, but it wasn't a dirty game. Malone poked him in the eye for the first one. I thought it was a harsh yellow card, but his second tackle. One thing that was flagged up on social media afterwards is that in that small melee after Berardi's uh, tackle had got him sent off, a lot of Derby's younger players were piling round him, oh, yeah. Wilson getting was, stuck in. Wilson was getting right stuck in. Wilson was livid, wasn't he? But a couple of the more senior players at like Huddleston and maybe someone else who I forget had to go in and, and like mediate and pull him away a bit and stop him, yeah. stop it boiling over because as good as our young players are, that they can be a little bit hot-headed at times, as, as most young players are. I did feel like that moment, though, showed just how up for it Derby were. And we weren't going to let... I, I was confident at that point we were going to win the game and, and, and go through. And I just felt it really showed that Derby were just on it and Leeds were crumbling. They were falling apart, as we know. I don't know about you, Tom, but even at 3-2, with 10 minutes to go and Leeds down to 10 men... The Derby fan in me was still very much at the uh, at the forefront. I had this horrible feeling that something was going to go wrong because Leeds were still piling forward. They were still creating stuff. It could have gone either way. And I just had this really terrible feeling, which I think made the end result even sweeter. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. Um, I thought the sending off was really pivotal because I thought Leeds were starting to pile the pressure on and Derby were looking a bit tired. We then became a bit rejuvenated from that uh, I said in the last pod I was confident that we could go and do the job and I said on the night even at 1-0 we were, we had an opportunity to to still to still win the game but 3-2 down uh, sorry 3-2 up 10 minutes to go um, there was still that that Manchester United game do you remember when Fellaini headed the headed in the equaliser they were down to 10 men and, and that thought came across my mind and I didn't vocalise it but I was like I can see something just grim like that happening I thought Derby had lost at Old Trafford that night uh, and when we scored the fourth, to make it 4-2, I still had that fear uh, that, that Derby would do a Derby. I, I, even, even when the full-time whistle went. Can, yeah. can, we, can we still lose <laughs> yeah. somehow? Uh, what, what's happening here? <laughs> I think I, I agree with you that obviously, as Derby fans, and every club says this, I kind of get a bit annoyed when we say this, because every club, you know, Leeds have this problem of falling apart and bottling it, and every club does it at, at, at our level. But on the substance of play and what was happening, I was confident. I mean, we still had to get another goal. To go, to go through and not go to extra time. But we looked, as Tom said, I know that Tom said that we looked a bit tired before that red card, but I just felt we had them. I just felt we had them and they hadn't, Bielsa still hadn't fixed the diamond problem because he's not a good manager. And we, um, and, I, and I thought it just created even more space and it just delayed his solution, which never came to that problem. That fourth goal, that magical moment, as we said before, it came from Derby recycling possession from when Wilson hit the post a few seconds before. But... What a contribution from from Big Big Keezy. He wins that. The thing that's underrated about that is yeah. that tackle to win the ball in the first place. It's like he, it's the, the, the ball comes in yeah. and he reads it so well to get in front of the uh, the Leeds player and like shove him off the ball. Bamford. Yeah, it was Bamford, yeah. It was Bamford. Like gets in front of him, reads it, dispossesses him, steams forward, cheeky little one-two, gets it back. And then he's, he's 30 yards out. He's a centre-back, for goodness sake. And then he pops off that little... That little three ball with five minutes to go. Possibly lucky. Nah, yeah. it's, it's a qual- it's a quality bit of play. And it means every bit of that. It's unbelievable stuff no, from the he, skipper. He means every bit of it up until where he passes the ball. He's he's actually looking to pass it to Mario's feet rather than into the space. I, I don't care. The three ball is not perfect, but that's well, why perfect. I thought the keep the well, yeah. But I, that's why I thought the keeper could have got there. I don't think he was quite expecting the three ball to be so close to him. And Marriott does brilliantly. The best bit about that goal is then actually. Obviously, the celebrations on it, but watching it back on on Twitter, and someone, uh, I think it's Chris Lawn, has put the Derby commentary uh, from Ed Dawes over it, and it's as Keo picks the ball up and plays one two, he's like, "Leeds are on their feet, uh, down on their feet here. They're off their feet. They've got no chance." And then he puts it through, and then 
all hell breaks loose. It's a great finish and brilliant play from Keogh. So. He just saw his name up in lights, didn't he? Yeah. I've always thought for the past two seasons when he when Keogh's eyes light up and he makes those charging runs through the middle, I was thought one day yeah. something magical was going to come off one of these runs, and this that was the exact moment of it actually happening, wasn't it? And it was twice. He did it in. The, he had the secondary assist for Mount's yeah. goal as well laid so, it off to Wilson and that, that outside of the foot was great for Wilson and again it was the system the, the system was creating that space and it was encouraging Derby to play through the middle which they, they hadn't done before and, and Keogh and Tamori can both have that in the locker and Tamori gets more attention for it but Keogh's done it for a few seasons now but as you said it's very rare that anything actually comes of it so what a time for it to happen loads more to come later on in the pod uh, your five word thoughts we've had a chat with uh, Dan Bardell from the Villa View podcast with a big chunky preview of Wembley and some other stuff as well but Steve Limmer's Washing is partnered for the season with Derby Brewing Company the family-run micropub operator in the city with three venues across Derby. Hi I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi I'm Curtis Davis and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. So where does Leeds rank Kutch in your favourite Derby County memories from your lifetime? I think it's top. I I can't remember being on cloud nine for so long as I have been from that game. And of course, Wembley 2007 was incredible and emotional in its own way. But the way, just the way it happened on Wednesday, we've already touched on it with all the background. It just had everything. And it was delivered in the sweetest of circumstances. I can't think of it happening at a better club than at Leeds. I think even better than happening at Forest. I mean, it's it's that big coming from Teal behind Forest in, in the was it the Carabao the League Cup was it Cup fourth round replay? Yeah, I mean that yeah. was obviously huge beating them at their place. But I've never experienced an atmosphere like it at the stage door that the London branch pub that we were at. People were still there singing. It was still full and bouncing after 11pm and I'd, none of us wanted to leave. We went home with Tom's dad back to our place and we're drinking until one o'clock in the morning just drinking wine and watching the highlights on over and over and over again and watching all the player reactions. The thing is, Tom, like those games against Forest and whatnot and the player finals were great, but the ones against Forest, like the, the, the 3-2 win, was like the, 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 the FA Cup fourth round, so it was like a one-off. Yeah. Didn't have anywhere near as much consequence as, uh, as Leeds. I don't think. I mean, there's a few that rival Wednesday night, I'd say, like Brighton at home in the semis in 14 was great. Uh, 07, as you said there. Uh, the Forest 5-0, of course. Um, Southampton in the semis in 07. The but out, yeah. if you look at all those great memories from the Billy Davis season, this Lampard team are so much more likeable than that Billy Davis team, aren't they? They're so much easier to watch and to enjoy don't you think? I totally agree. And uh, obviously the Wembley 07 cut was a particularly poignant moment. It's the first time we met. First time we met. How cute. <laughs> uh, another game I want to chuck out there was the, the Derby Crystal Palace game back in 95, 96. That was my first like real understanding of what an atmosphere was like and how amazing football could be and emotionally as a sort of nine-year-old. So that was a cracker. But yeah, this is I'm, I'm still reliving this like three days later and still... Every time I go on Twitter, I'm still wanting to watch the highlights again and again and again. This is yeah, probably the best Derby game I've ever experienced. We put it out there for your five-word summaries of Wednesday night on uh, DCFC Twitter. You came up with the goods, good and proper, as per usual. Uh, Gareth Wren came back to us on Twitter. Arrogance comes before a fall. Uh, Ashley Smith, I've got no shins left. Good. Rob Wilcoxon, someone get me a defibrillator. <laughs> Enjoyable. Uh, Lucas 
tweeted us, said, spilt beer all over sofa. Get a new sofa. (laughs) (laughs) Jack Brown still can't believe it. Did that actually just happen? And Pete Lee said, just one win was enough. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Um, Ben Wright tweeted us as well. He said, nervous, elated, emotional, dink, tears. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Darby Dazzler with Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy, Wembley. I see, I see the theme there. there's, nice. there's another version of that which has the uh, from Malcolm Tucker, but you probably can't say that word um, on, on this. And Graham Coates said, "I'm still in a dreamland," which I think we can probably all echo. Absolutely. Um, we've said a few times already some biblical shifts put in by the whole team there. Um, for me, I think man in a match probably Mason Mount. I'd say really the game that he came of age. I mean, forget Rotherham, forget Bolton. Forget Norwich away, forget West Brom. Did he play in that? I think he did. Um, yeah, he did. He was like he was everywhere. And what impressed me most was even with two, three, four minutes to go, he's bringing the ball forty yards up the pitch. Yeah. Um, so from a you know as an athlete to still have gas in the tank at that point was 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 amazing. To for him to break the lines in the way that he did, just keep us up the pitch at the absolutely pivotal time when it's so much easier to just get it, hoof it, get it in the corner. He was, uh, you know, carrying the ball, doing exactly what we brought him in for. Um, and he scored that goal despite falling over. Yeah, <laughs> he's, think... he's, he's off balance, but he still manages to tuck it away. It's like a lob wedge. He mentioned, he mentioned on Sky Sports, it was like, oh, maybe it's a bit lucky finish. And he, he does that a lot, actually. He plays himself down a lot. He's quite modest uh, on the cameras, but I thought it was an excellent finish when he was falling over. He does, for me, it looks like he deliberately scoops it. To, he's seen the keeper's position. He deliberately gets over him. I wouldn't put it past him. I'm just not, I wasn't ready to say goodbye to him or to Wilson or, or to Maurice. I'm just so pleased we've got a proper send off for the three of them, regardless of uh, what happens. But who was man in the match for you, coach? I, th- I think for me, it's got to be Keo. I think he does, I'm almost getting emotional even thinking about it because his role in, in, in that second half was just absolutely huge. And he did his defensive duties well. The question's over him for the first goal, but I, I'd put that to bed. He just, he epitomised everything about that team. He he led from the back, if that makes sense. You know, led from the front, led from the back. He drove that team on, and he just epitomised everything about the energy and the you know, the fearlessness of that second half. And and he showed some some great technical skills to score. I just think he deserves that moment more than anyone else at Derby County. Led from the back in the match, and uh, left from the front when he led the Conga in the in the lock in <laughs> in the King Club <laughs> afterwards. It will come to in uh, in a few minutes. What about you, Tom? Uh, yeah, well, those. Two players were fantastic, I thought, on the night. But you've got to give credit to Marriott coming off the bench and he scores with his first touch within, I think, 40 seconds of coming on. Has the composure uh, to finish that that second goal with five minutes to go. Um, just a fantastic, like game-changing performance from Marriott. Someone who's been out of, out of favour uh, and out of the team, but like fair play to, to all three of those. Honourable mention, perhaps, for Bradley Johnson. It looked like there was no midfield at times for both Derby or Leeds. Just the, the chaotic nature of it. But Johnson was putting tackles in there and he also left himself, um, allowed himself to be taken out by Berardi to gain that red card. And I thought that was a critical moment in the game. So, Marriott, best player on the pitch for me, but Johnson, honourable mention. I, th- I think, just quickly on Johnson, I think that system and uh, the nature of the match was just made for him. He had, as I said before, he had more players around him, which gave him more options to play simple passes and keep it easy. And as being such a frenetic, you know, kind of full-paced match, he just threw himself about and just held everything together and probably why he is more suited to that kind of role than, than Tom Hodgson. The match itself was an absolute epic, 
But I think in some ways I've enjoyed the the reactions and all the stuff afterwards almost as much as, <laughs> as the match itself. Some people have said that we over-celebrated on full-time, but for me, this whole Spygate stuff, I was, I was over it myself. It was like four months ago, water under the bridge. Uh, it happened then. I'd forgotten about it, but if if those 3,000 Leeds fans are going to insist on singing about Stop Crying Frank Lampard in the first leg, if they're going to insist on bringing it back up again, yeah, exactly. then we're all perfectly within our rights to, to dish it out again if we turn it around in the second leg. And I think even if we even if we lose the final, those scenes on full time in the away end, they will keep me warm inside for, for years to come. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I do think that, yeah, it, it's sort of water under the bridge. It's happened and it's been done. And I think we all discussed it before and thought it's not a massive deal. Um, but I, I don't see what's wrong with celebrating. That shows the passion of the, the team. Uh, it also shows the importance and the epicness of the match. And, if you're going to give banter to another club, you've got to be able to take it. And I think Leeds, I really enjoyed that chant they were singing at Pride Park, despite the sort of obvious connotations of it. Um, I thought it was a great chant, very funny. Um, and then when we can chuck it back in their faces, perfect. I think as well that, I mean, seeing, seeing those players in the away end, I think you've got a list there. I think it's Waghorn, Curtis Davis, Marcus Olsen, Craig Forsyth, David Nugent. Who have I missed? Looks like Waghorn's shaking off that injury. Yeah, well, it looks like it. <laughs> Nugent, Nugent was struggling. But yeah, Curtis Davis is like lifting some random blanket up in the air and celebrating. <laughs> like, to be... And it just shows how together the club is and how engaged those players are. You know, Davis has hardly played all season. Fozzie's been out for, what, six months plus now. Olsen's not played a game all season. And they're so invested in that squad and they're so invested in Derby and they're so invested in Frank Lampard. And it just it was genuine it wasn't for the cameras it wasn't you know it wasn't just you know the club's great now at recording these moments and putting the videos out there which is brilliant but it's all genuine and what was the best thing to see about it was the faces on the young players you know the ones who are really at the center of those celebrations were Jaden Bogle Mason Mount um, uh, Mason Bennett uh, Tamori like they they were that moment is going to live with them for the rest of their lives and they were just making the most of it and fair played to them they've got a week and a half or they had a week and a half after the game to prepare enjoy that night and and obviously we're probably going to lose those three young players but you know Bennett and Bogle that's just they're, they're legends now it's a good thing that we've got 10 days till the final yeah. because judging by the pictures and video from the celebrations afterwards I might need that time to uh, recover from the celebrations afterwards Jodie Morris was still in a pub with John Terry yesterday <laughs> <laughs> there was a since then a picture has also surfaced uh, claiming to be Lampard's bar bill from a pub in Duffield just outside Derby from Wednesday night when it looks like the lads had some sort of celebratory lock-in uh, the tab coming to a call £2,800 which included 75 Jaegers 209 beers and uh, 54 Sambucas. Someone had like 30 Desiranos, which what, I'm a big fan of. What do, you think, what do you think will happen if we win the final? I mean... King's Herbert will be set for life. Will the players even make it back for pre-season? Um, you imagine, <laughs> will Jody Morris wake up in a hedge off the A50 or something? <laughs> I wonder who all the Jaegers were for, is it? Were they all Bisons or...? He's a new dad, so maybe he needed a bit of a... Maybe he needed the adrenaline rush. I, obviously, there's question marks over that bill was legitimate or not. I don't really care. They were in King's Head. We've seen the video. I used to drink there with Mickey Forsyth. You know, Mickey and I used to run up that kind of bill regularly in the uh, in the king's head I don't, they enjoy it I mean, enjoy it boys absolutely enjoy it you lager Mickey Forsyth lager Derby County squad 209 beers <laughs> sometimes Jagerbombs <laughs> I do think that um, 
I, I love the fact that we celebrated and um, I love the fact that there are so many good interviews that were put out there. The players all invested, as you said. But I do also like the fact that Lampard it allowed that celebration, but it kept going around. The job's not done. We're not there yet. We haven't done it yet. And I do think that's a really important message. He's very, very, very switched on uh, and he's very, enjoy it. Now let's be serious. There was a, it looks like a bar bill. Just one cheeky glass of Shiraz in there. Who do you reckon's on that? Is that Christine, do you think? That's probably, I think, Shay Given. Do you think? <laughs> yeah. He's on, Shay... the, he's on the Guinness, surely. Oh, there was there was like there was like 12 Guinness on that bill, actually. And... Guinness, plural. <laughs> and a couple, a couple of J2Os in there. That's, that's disappointing, isn't it? You hate, you hate to see that. That's probably Zach Knight. No, not Zach Knight. What's his first name? The, the youth player that was on the bench, that's probably his. There was a, yeah, Knight. I can't remember his first name. But like, J2Os oh. for the drivers. All we could think of, because there were people saying that it's not legit, that picture of the bar bill... Um, that it's not from this year, whatever. They were definitely there. We guess maybe the situation is that there were other people in there and Lampard just paid for like the whole pub's yeah. drinks for the whole night, perhaps. Because I mean, if you break that down per person, it's an insane amount of booze, isn't it? It's, it's, it's like four weddings. <laughs> well, just my four weddings. <laughs> I don't care if it is, is real or not, but the fact is they're out there enjoying themselves. Um, I'm still enjoying and celebrating that that moment. I keep watching all the uh, all the highlights, all the videos, and I'm going to enjoy that up until like up until the playoff final and probably beyond, regardless of what happens on the 27th of May. Well, the best sober up before that bank holiday weekend anyway, because we've got a playoff final to win, haven't we? Uh, we're one game away from returning to the Premier League after 11 seasons. Aston Villa stand in the way, so it's now all eyes on Wembley. I had a chat this week to Dan Bardell from the Villa View podcast. They'll be joining us in the Championship Player Final to get his thoughts on the game, and here is what he said. Dan, we'll cut to the chase. Villa pasted Derby home and away this season. You had that phenomenal 10-game winning run to get you into the playoffs and you beat your local rivals to reach Wembley. Confidence at Villa must be uh, sky high ahead of the final. Yeah, he's, he's obviously pretty high. I mean, in February, I, I was ready to write off the season. I just just wanted the season to end. Everyone was saying, oh, we just need to go on a, on a ridiculous unbeaten running. And it sounded ridiculous, the possibility of it happening. But to be fair to, to the lads, Grealish came back. And obviously, we won 10 in a row. We, we put ourselves in, in the position to have, have another go this year after, after last year's failure. I didn't think we really did ourselves justice on um, on on Saturday or Tuesday, really, across the two days. We, we were nowhere near our best, but West Brom were a difficult team to face, to be fair. They, they defended very deep. I mean, in the second leg, I virtually felt like I could have a chat with their, with their back four, to be fair. They, 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 they were that deep, they were nearly in, in the away end. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just really pleased to be there, to be honest. I mean, I don't know how you felt on Wednesday, but I've got to be honest, Tuesday was one of the, the worst footballing experiences I've ever had in my life, but with, with the best possible ending. I'd, I'd, I tend to agree, yeah. But I mean, it's it's easy to forget, isn't it, that Villa were mid-table in January, having only won two games in 14 before uh, before thumping Derby, which set them off on that amazing run of four. What was it that changed to send you on that uh, club record winning streak, would you say? Uh, to be fair, we scored goals all season. Obviously, I think Tammy was on, on about maybe 19-20 in January. We didn't do well without Greenish, but we were sipping too many goals. And it's easy to put it all on Greenish because obviously he is our star man. I think he's the best player in the championship. But but Dan Smith sorted the defence out. Tyrone Mings coming in, Courtney Hawes came in as well as and has played a lot of games while Twan David was injured. And they just they just solidified us. I mean, Chester's been playing on one leg virtually the whole season. Steve Bruce 
Jackson. Tyler Edmonds coming in there, he, he is, he being, he's such a such a good player. I didn't realise how good Tyler Edmonds is. I always thought he was a full back, but he's come to Villa and absolutely bossed it at centre back. And then obviously the talisman's made captain, and he's just. I thought he was good last season, but this season he's just taken it on to, to a different level again. And to be honest, I, I want to go up anywhere, but that's one of the main reasons why I want to go up because I'm not ready to, to let go of, of not watching Jack Grealish. And if, if we don't go up, he, he deserves to be playing for, for a top six Premier League team and, and having a chance of playing for England. We, we can't hold him back anymore. So there's obviously a number of reasons why we need and want to go up. Similar sentiments to a friend of mine who said the same about uh, Grealish. And we'll come on to those low knees that you mentioned there, like Tyrone Mings, because a large part of Derby's success this season has been down to the influence of those low knees for Keir Tamori, yeah. Mason Mount, Harry Wilson. But one of uh, Villa's lone youngsters, who's been a bit of a rock at the back for you, faces a possible race to be fit for the final, does he not? Yeah, he didn't look good coming up on Tuesday, actual Transavia. He didn't look good at all, and that'll be a blow because Transavia and Mings, they're both ball playing centre half, and obviously Transavia's right footed, and Mings is left footed, so it just suits us and, and the way we want to play them too, bringing the ball out from the back. I mean, I don't know if you saw the game when we were away at Ellen Road just before the season, season ended. Those two both had, had a run where, they, where they, they went the whole length of the pitch and, and got into the opposition penalty area. They're very good on the ball, but they're also very good defenders. They're very athletic. So we can't, I don't really want to say that partnership broken up, although, as I said earlier, Courtney Hawes was very good next to Mings as well. So we have got people to come in if, if, if the worst does happen. We have, have got injuries at the back, but you want, you want your best team for a one-off game and, and you want your best team for, for an occasion as big as the, as the championship playoff final. Looking at the bigger picture then, Dan, this is Villa's third season in the Championship and I make it the last year in which Villa will receive parachute payments. Uh, there could be more Premier League interest in Jack Grealish in the summer, as you've said there, and the likes of Tammy Abraham and Tyron Mings will be returning to their parent clubs. Do you think it's fair yeah. to say that Villa have got a lot riding on winning this final? I think we have, but if I'm being honest, I think we probably had more last season because let's face it, we, we, we were in financial ruin and we, we didn't really know the extent of it until we didn't go up. But we, we didn't lost the club in the summer. We were, we were really mismanaged, although it'd been an absolute disaster to not go up again. And like you say, you alluded to the parachute payments, although they're pretty minimal in, in the third year. We, we've actually got owners now that are worth £9 billion. But the problem is when you're in the championship, it's no good having £9 billion because, as you, you guys all know as well, financial fair play it just completely drags you down you, you can't do anything so Grealish would, would have to go for those reasons I would think if, if we don't go up and as I said earlier we can't hold him back anymore he, he needs to be a Premier League footballer because I genuinely believe there isn't an English midfielder that can do the things that Jack Grealish can do and he's, he's given it a good go himself over the last two years Jack I think if he did end up and the worst happens and he had to go every fan would wave him off and wish him the best with his career because he's been a great player for Villa and he clearly loves the club his family loves the club but let's hope we don't have to worry about any of those kind of things He's clearly been a, a talisman for Villa this season and he was a you know a big factor in that 10 match winning run as you said there but uh, 10 defeats for Villa in the league this season how have other teams caused you problems in uh, in in the past year is it a case of stock realist stock Villa? Uh, I genuinely think a lot of those defeats came when we when we didn't have the defence sorted. So I think we're, we're much more re- resolute now. Although we weren't good on on Tuesday against West Brom, we only, we only shipped one goal. We, we we looked quite quite comfortable despite not being our best. So we we cut down the amount we conceded 
tipped ten forward. I mean, I, I went to Bramall Lane earlier on in the season. We got absolutely tonked by Sheffield United. We, we, we looked all over the place. We, we were letting in goals left, left, right, and centre. Other than other than we had, did have a mini a mini revival just before Grimsby got injured, which included the game at, at your place where we, we came there and won three 0 So we're capable of clean sheets. We've got the goalkeeper situation sorted as well. That was obviously a problem earlier on in the season. We, we've kind of stumbled upon someone who's been there all along in Jed Steer and he's offered a bit of calm to the, the situation and we've been very good defensively over over the last 10 to 13 games I, I think it is now so we can be got out because it's, it's a one-off game but our only weakness for me is, is wrong midfield that, that's where we're really struggling I mean Andre Green and Adoma seem to be rotated but they both look better when they come on as substitutes so I think you're I think you're quite strong on the, on the wings as well so I think that's a potential area that, that might open up for Derby I'm sure there's a, a lot of conflicting opinion about how Villa fans are feeling ahead of such a huge game, but uh, who do Villa fans generally see as, as Derby's danger men? I think you've got to look at, at Mount and, and Wilson. For me, they're obviously good players because you look, look at their playing for the parent club. Gen- generally, they're good players. If, if they're at Chelsea or Liverpool, they, they, they might not get a chance, but, they, but they, are, they are good players. And he, Wilson actually is the exact kind of player we could do with. On, on the wing at the moment and he's had a good season I think he's got, he's got 16 goals or something which is, which is ridiculous 16 goals and 4 assists I think I read earlier correct me if, I, if I'm wrong so that's that's an incredible season from, from a young player on the wing that, that's an unbelievable output and two teams who know more about playoff heartache than, uh, than most of course Villa's second consecutive playoff final Derby's fourth playoff campaign in six years where do you see the game being won and lost and how do you see it going? I think both teams will go there Win. I don't think it's in, in either nature of the managers to, to just sit back and try and nip it one nil, which is what, exactly what we tried to do last year against Fulham, and Fulham went one nil up, and, and we looked clueless. So I actually think it, it might end up being a, a high-scoring game. I don't see either team keeping a clean sheet. If I'm being honest, I'm going to say pretty tough to Villa in extra time. I think it, it could end up going going all the way again, like it did on um, on Tuesday for us. And I've got to be honest, I felt like I've done twelve rounds with Anthony Joshua. <laughs> on, a, on a Tuesday after the game so I dread to think what that would be like well Dan enjoy the day uh, thanks for talking okay. to us and uh, may the best team win thanks for having me on mate Villa did have our number this season there's no denying that 3-0 at home 4-0 away in what was clearly the low point for the entire season we're massive underdogs at Wembley aren't we coach yeah but I think that's probably where this team likes it um, we're definitely massive underdogs as you said, they've had our number, but Leeds had our number. I feel like he's got to get it right first time, Lampard. He's got to get it right first time, which formation he goes for, whether it's 4-3-3 or the diamond, or as um, as Scott Minto called it outside the ground, 4-diamond-2, which I'd never heard it described as before, which was quite nice. Um, he's got to get it right first time. He had, he had a go at it. He got it wrong in the first leg. He got it right in the second leg. They've got to get it bang on, because man for man, that Villa team is a stronger team than us. Tom, Ashley Cole is likely to start. Scott Malone took one for the team in the dying seconds of the second leg, got himself sent off. But as Ashley Cole, who started at Villa, he got absolutely roasted. He's one of several players who did, to be fair, in that in that first half. He's one of many concerns I have about this game. I, I don't know if I'm that concerned. I don't. We've talked about Malone a lot before uh, at left back, and I don't think he had a great game on Wednesday. And to be honest, when he got sent off and he was banned, it's obviously gutted for him. Um, because 
you want him to play because he's obviously a dive player. But I think Cole will come in and I think he'll add some experience to a youthful side. Um, this is going to be a very different game to the the two games we played against Villa this year. Um, and I think Lampard made mistakes in the Villa game in March, um, playing Max Bird for one. It chucked him into a really difficult game uh, for his first full debut. And I think um, I don't think Cole was necessarily to blame. So I'm not worried about Cole starting at uh, at left back on uh, on Monday, if that's the case, um, I think he'll bring some much needed experience to that back line. We did lose that game away at Villa in the midfield, didn't we? Uh, with Max Bird and George Evans in there, Max Bird being very inexperienced, George Evans playing his first game for a long time, hasn't really played since, got taken off at half time. Yeah, we did lose it in midfield, and and, and Cole obviously was brought off at half time, wasn't he? But um, for me, Cole will be ready. You know, there's no better professional to to get himself ready for that game. He'll make sure he prepares properly. He's got an amazing track record at Wembley. He's got huge experience from big games. I think he'll be absolutely vital. I actually would have wanted to start Cole ahead of Malone anyway um, in that match. And I think he's going to be huge, of huge value to the squad in the lead up to it and on the day. I'm I'm surprisingly zen about the whole the whole prospects of the game. Really, I mean, even Lampard himself admitted that this season has gone quote far better than he could have imagined. Um, this was meant to be a season of transition. We're in the playoff final. Uh, I think just whatever happens, we need to retain perspective here because we've surpassed expectations. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think um, I, I remember when we did the predictions with, what, nine games to go? Uh, I thought we'd just finished just outside the playoffs, finished seventh with 72 points. If we'd have drawn against West Brom, that's exactly what would have happened. But thankfully, we had the battle to, to get through that. After the Leeds game... A lot of people had written us off and now we're in the playoff final. Um, we've had some terrific moments this year. I don't think, and I haven't got the stats in front of me, if you compared Lampard to Varrett in terms of how many points we won, I, I, Varrett may have even got more points than Lampard. But this team, as you mentioned earlier, Chris, is so much more likeable. I've had such a much more enjoyable season this year watching Derby. And regardless of what happens, that Leeds game is going to stay with me forever. I'm going to remember that as like a where I was and what I was doing and who I was with. with. So... Yeah, Monday for me is a, a real free hit. It's going to be gutting if we don't win, uh, but it's going to be amazing if we do. I mean, we've got the quality in the final third to cause some problems, which is what we didn't have, you know, even under Billy Davis. You know, we, we won that through kind of just digging in and, and getting, a, getting a goal on the breakaway. Whereas this team, if they create chances, they can score goals. And we look clinical at the moment. You know, the Leeds home leg aside, we've been scoring a lot of goals recently. So Villa will really have it taken to them on the day. Quick round the table predictions. Tom, you first. Um. I think it's going to be very tight and I think there's going to be some goals in it. So I'm going to go 2-1 Derby. Yeah, I think you know, my heart, my head says well, we won't win, but I got, I've been horrendous track record and predictions throughout the last month. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say we're going to do it. I, I think it will be a bit like Dan. I think it will be 3-2, but I think it'll be 3-2 to Derby. Four words for you. Derby on pens, Keo. Oh, That's uh, what I'm saying. Keo, yeah. Keo redemption for... And if that happens, then he can then he can play that footage at my funeral. It will just be uh, an absolute, absolutely unbelievable moment. I think Villa have just got more steel about them than a bit more steel and professionalism about them than, than Leeds do. And people like John McGinn in the middle of the park, he might look like the clock from Beauty and the Beast, but he <laughs> <laughs> he has yeah, he's a creative player that has real metal to him as well. And I think if we turn up and play that kind of high octane game and high energy game Villa will respond to it and it'll, it'll, I think it could be an incredible I think it will be a really really open balanced game everyone always points to Grealish for Villa like they were really struggling for form with him out of the team they were on an incredible run 
as soon as he was back in the team. But I think that does their midfield a disservice, really. I think Villa's midfield three is their strength, really. Ahurahan's got a cracking left foot. McGinn, really industrious. Yeah. I think he's an underrated player, championship player of the year, John McGinn. But it's Grealish who gets the headlines because he's more stylish to watch. Um, got great hair. <laughs> if you say so. Depends, um, depends mate. <laughs> the, those three, if we can shut at least two of them down, we've got a chance. The thing that's going to make the biggest difference is if that Villa midfield turns up. Because if that Villa midfield turns up, then um, we're going to really struggle. Because Huahan is he scored twice against us at Villa Park. Uh, I'm pretty sure he scored against us at Pride Park. He scored a free um, kick, didn't he? Yeah, so he scored three times against us already this season. He scores goals, he sets them up. McGinn is a workhorse, He set, but he also sets things yeah, up and is very player. creative. The creativity comes through the centre of that midfield, so we need to make sure that we're on them. We need to make sure that we shut them down, because if we don't, they've got goals and creativity coming right the way through the middle. Um, and that's going to be the real worry for Derby. Hurahan has got a fantastic left foot, emphasised by that uh, brilliant strike against West Brom. Uh, in the playoff semi-final, that, that that midfield did struggle against West Brom in in the second leg. West Brom did do a job on them, and Greylish was very quiet. He only really got the ball in deeper positions, but that will open up space for the likes of Hurahan, as you said, is is a, is a really good player. So, yeah, it can can we keep that midfield quiet? And obviously, Tammy Abraham is a brilliant clinical striker as well. So it's it's a big ask for Derby, but we we have got the players and we have got the the momentum to, to do it if we turn up. I believe if I believe if anyone can shut down. Tame Abraham, hopefully it might be Tamori. Because I mate, think I think yeah. they do know each other really well, don't they? I think but, they played to get Chelsea together since they were like eight or something. But or maybe that's just me massively clutching at straws. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Um before we wrap things up, you've got a cheeky little quiz for us, Cutch. Playoff themed, I'm told. Playoff themed quiz. It's a new kind of a new format. It's similar to the starting eleven format, so you're gonna take it in turns to name something until one of you gets it wrong, but it's gotta be quick fire, because I think you're both gonna be good at this. So I want an answer in a couple of seconds each time. Do it. Derby have participated in eight playoff campaigns. Name the 11 teams that Derby have played in the second, just the second tier playoffs. So we've played in eight playoff campaigns in the Championship or Old First Division or Old Second Division. And we've played 11 teams across those campaigns. So Chris, if you want to go first, <coughs> go for it. So semi-final or final? Yeah, any, any, any team we've played in the playoffs. QPR. Correct. Brighton. Correct. Southampton. Correct. West Bromwich Albion. Correct. Um, <laughs> quickly um, have you said Brighton yep, yep. Um, Millwall yep Hull City yep um, uh, Fulham yep Leicester City yep uh, <laughs> Blackburn oh that was my yes. last that was my last and one I think and that's one, it. More? one more oh uh, Preston North End yep one more uh, I don't know um, that's it Chris you're out you started too many times <laughs> Leeds United mate <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a given. Don't you remember, don't you remember that Leeds game? I don't think don't, we're... Do you remember that playoffs? That playoffs semi final Leeds? That, oh, when was it? Oh, it's four days ago, the best day of my life. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't even think about Leeds. Blackburn was my like little trump in the back. I did have a tiebreaker. What? Who was the first ever second division playoff winner in 1987? So the first ever championship playoff. Charlton. Who beat? Leeds United. Leeds United. Wow. Poetry. <laughs> Always yeah. falling apart, those boys. Well, I got the first answer right from the <laughs> early 90s, and that's the real quiz. So, <laughs> whatever. Um, so, yeah, thanks ever so much for listening. We're going to leave it there for this episode. You can find all our stuff on social, on Facebook, Twitter, at Steve Bloomerpod, and Instagram. We're going to try and produce a bit more Wembley 
preview content in the week to come before Bank Holiday Monday and the trip to Wembley. But until then, Richard, thanks for joining us. See you at Wembley. Tom, see you at Wembley. Indeed you will. Thanks again. See you soon.